What's up, faders? Welcome to yet another episode of Got Faded Japan. I'm your host, Johnny, and this is episode number 287. Yes, that's right. We've been doing this motherfucking shit for 287 episodes, getting faded for your earbuds only. Or if you share it for other people's earbuds. Or if you're in the office for everybody's earbuds. And we recommend to share this motherfucking show because we want to get the word out there. Speaking of getting the word out there, we've got a very special interview with One Man Crew here in downtown Shibuya. Who I found accidentally or mysteriously or maybe it's just fate on the streets. Um, oh, a special note, faders. Um, yeah, as you probably have guessed it, Maddie B has left the show. Let's give him a word of uh, a moment of silence. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Maddie B left the show. He um, he basically every week uh, he basically said he got it. He had to focus on like music and stuff. He didn't want to do the show and stuff anymore. It's just it was too difficult for him to come over and do a podcast. And we love Maddie B. We're not talking sh- any shit because Maddie B is one hundred and ten percent a true fader and stuff. And we wish him the best of luck in the music business. So if you're walking down the street and you hear a rat tat tat, tat, or if you're in in the park and you hear a bum ba dum bum, that is Maddie B playing the drum. And if you see him, give him a tip. Give him your change because he needs the change. Feed the music. Feed the music and the music lives on. So, Maddie B, wherever you are, God loves you. And fade on, brother. And you are more than welcome to be on the show anytime you want. I wish you did one more episode to say goodbye. That would have been really awesome, Maddie B, but you didn't. And that's okay. You can always be on the show in the future. But now, uh, right now, we do have an interview. And uh, this interview we have with... One man crew from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, pro wrestler and hip hop artist, singer, songwriter. Oh, dude. Okay. So, all right. Let me explain the situation. Okay. I'm in Shibuya. I'm walking home and stuff. And um, all of a sudden, some dude comes up to me. He goes, Hey, man, you like hip hop music? And I stop and I say, As a matter of fact, I do. And I had a conversation with this guy, took him out for breakfast. And here we are having a podcast. So, all right. One man crew, tell me your story. And actually, we're. Oh, thank you. We're at a restaurant getting breakfast together. Isn't that the cutest French toast you've ever seen? Yeah, man, it looks delicious. Yeah, actually, that that's mine. Is that mine? Is that yours? That's yours. That's mine. God damn, that looks small. You know the pitcher, and this is kind of like McDonald's. The pitcher made it look so much bigger than what it is. Is that one mine or yours? I don't know. Okay, well let's just see how it goes. <laughs> All right, one man crew. All right, so. You've told me a lot of things so far. You've told me that you're down on your luck. You told me that you're you're selling CDs. You're telling me that you're promoting yourself. You got some gigs happening in Korea. You're telling me that like you've had some problems with your passport. Dude, break down the story from day one. How did you get involved in Japan? How did you get involved in hip hop? How did you get involved with your passport being torn up? All right. So like I've been I've been uh, <clears throat> I've been an independent pro wrestler since I was 17 years old. I've been uh, rapping since I was about 14 years old. Started recording music back in 2004. I'm sorry, 2003. And uh, I uh, I got invited to come to Japan back in 2012 to do a, a pro wrestling tour. And I actually became one of the most popular foreign wrestlers on the independents in Japan. I'm actually the only foreign pro wrestler to ever work for like 21 different companies in Japan alone. Wow. So, yeah, I came back out here uh, back in uh, November to do a, another wrestling tour. I worked 21 uh, shows over the course of like six weeks and I was scheduled to go back to the United States but I had met my ex-wife out here who I just divorced and she had convinced me to stay here with her and marry her and long story short she turned out to be a complete psycho wait what kind of a psycho what does she do 
Uh, well, let's just put it this way. If I would watch TV or a movie or something, she would like be staring blankly at the wall for like three hours straight and wouldn't say anything. So it was just like, it was really a weird, awkward situation where we had nothing in common. And uh, she would do weird things like put water on my clothes and stuff them in my suitcase and lock me out of the house. She locked me out of the house like four times. Lo and behold, this crazy bitch had two keys to the apartment the whole time, man. I was just like, you mean to tell me you had two keys the whole time and you just kept one key a secret so you could play games with me? It's like, unbelievable. So it's kind of like cat and mouse or two mice or I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It's just like one one guy who was faithful and loyal and didn't do anything wrong being falsely accused of things every day, falsely accused of cheating, and then, um, you know, she played games with me based on her accusations, and she tore up not one but two of my passports. I had just bought a replacement last week on the 8th, uh, and uh, she had forged my signature on the divorce papers and I didn't even know it. I've been divorced since April 6th and I had no clue. That is completely illegal and I know people who you can get in contact with to sue the fuck out of her if she has any money. I doubt she has any money. I mean, she might. You know, she's lied to me about all kind of stuff. She lied to me about her age. She told me she was like 39 when I met her. Turns out she was 51. She what? lied. She, yeah, man. You married a 51-year-old girl by accident. Yeah. And you know, isn't that weird how like some Asian girls here in Japan look so young? I mean, oh, they look like they're 20, but they're actually 50. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, black's not the only thing that don't crack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, shit, man. That's fucking crazy. So, wait. How long have you been together with this girl? I was only with her for, like, not even three months. So, uh, when I met her, she would, had pressured me to marry her, like, right off the bat, man. And... Uh, she's like a compulsive liar. We went to the government building and got the paperwork, and she was like, we're already married. And I was like, uh, I don't think we are, which we weren't, because, you know, they didn't say omedito gozaimasu, which means, you know, congratulations yet. So, like, for like a week, she was lying to me, making me think we were already married. So that way I couldn't back out of it, because you know, I had already sensed some form of instability with her psyche uh, from the very get-go. Like, for example, I'd be uh, sitting on the train just staring blankly out the window, like daydreaming about, you know, my goals and dreams, and she'd be like, why are you looking at that bitch's skirt? I was like, no, I'm not looking at that. What are you talking about? I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware there was a female sitting across from me because it just didn't even occur to me. And, like, it's just, like, spiraled out of control from there. Like, uh, I was working security at a couple different clubs in Shibuya, and uh, she would accuse me of banging chicks, like, after work, like, every day, just because it took me, like, an hour to get home, you know, because she lives in Shakujikoen. So, so yeah, um, it was just really crazy, man. And, like, uh, I had been separated from her for quite a while, like three weeks now. And I uh, I didn't know we were divorced. I've been surviving in Shibuya by us selling CDs of my music and staying at an Internet cafe. And uh, I had called her to see if we were divorced yet because I had actually granted her permission to sign my name on the divorce papers just because I wanted to get it over with because I didn't want to have to deal with her anymore. So I had a buddy of mine call her and ask her, and she said, no, we're still married. Oh, yeah, she was Yeah, she was lying just to bait me in to get me back to come home. So when I came home, uh, I was kind of a little bit drunk because somebody had took me out and bought me some drinks. So I passed out uh, at her house, and when I woke up, 
my passport was tore up again the second time for the second time so i had to go down to the embassy today for the second time and like within a span of a week and pay 135 dollars for the second time do you think they're getting kind of suspicious that you're selling your passport no, 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 because I keep, I bring them the damaged passport, oh. and, and they can see, like, I had to sign a, an affidavit and swear that it's, like, the truth was my ex-wife had damaged my passport, because they're, like, really concerned, like, that maybe I was mentally unstable. I was like, hell to the nizzle, I would never do that shit to my own passport. No, you don't want to fuck with your passport, man. <laughs> no, it's U.S. government property, man, so uh, I'm not going to mess with it like that. But, yeah, man, that's just the whole story about the the wife situation. So, anyways, I, I got lucky when I was out here. Uh, my uh, my sensei, uh, Fugo Fugo Yumeji, he's uh, my pro wrestling manager. He and I had kind of a falling out because he was kind of a weird guy. Uh, he had accused me of stealing, like, uh, 18,000 yen from him, which was completely ludicrous because I had already had money. I didn't need his money. $180. Yeah, pretty much. And I already I came here with like five hundred dollars in my pocket already, and I made like a couple grand on my wrestling dates. So it's like completely ludicrous that I would even do that. So, anyways, he and he um, had uh, uh, told me that I could stay at his house the whole time I was here. So after he thought I stole his money, I was pretty much staying on my own at the internet cafe, and I met a guy named Kenta Goto who works for Avex Group. And uh, he, I had sold him a CD, and he's been trying to get me signed for the past four months. Already, uh, twelve executives have already approved me, so I'm just waiting on four more decisions. I'm like really close. I'm about seventy-five percent of the way in the company right now. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So there's a silver lining in all this. You know, I'm just gonna gotta push through all the bullshit and persevere through all this shit, and then like, I'll have my reward at the at the end of the the challenge. Wow, making it in Japan, a fucking perfect example of that story, dude. That's pretty awesome, like, how basically, well, it's not awesome, but I mean, you know, it's pretty typical, like, for you to be, like, to achieve so much and to gain so much. I mean, when you do, that you have to struggle and shit. I mean, maybe you could be, like, Eminem and stuff, like, bitching about his, like, wife or his ex his, his mother and shit. You could, like, bitch about, like, your ex-crazy wife. In fact, I think you have at least fucking, like, three platinum albums worth of material just in that fucking five minutes, dude. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty insane. How did you meet that bitch, anyway? If you don't mind me calling her a bitch. Yeah, no, I don't mind. She is a bitch. Cool. Um, I met her in the streets of Shinjuku, man. Oh, there you go, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't tell you the whole story, bro. Like... Uh, come to find out, this bitch has a profile on a call girl website called Oksama Tetsudo 69. It's like a website that specializes in guys that want to pay for the experience of having a, an affair with a married woman. So, like, I got to get my shit checked, bro. <laughs> How did you find her? Did she approach you or did you approach her? Uh, I was selling CDs out there, man, you know, because that's what I do for survival out here in Japan. And uh, I was talking to this African guy, and uh, she had walked past me and said hello to me. And the African guy was like, dude, you better holler at her, man. I think she's got her eye on you. So I went and talked to her, and we went. She bought me dinner and drinks. I was going to pay for everything, but she insisted that she pay. So after that... Uh, we got kind of tanked, and then I took her to a little love hotel and banged her, and then, like, I couldn't get rid of her after that. Like, she was like a leech, like, attached to me. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Well, okay, all right, so that's pretty much uh, what not to do in Shinjuku or Tokyo, I guess. Yeah, oh, man. Did the African dude know her? 
Were they no, friends? No, not at all. Oh, okay, cool. Because I was going to say, maybe that's a scam. Maybe he's a pimp. I don't know. Not saying that all dudes that are African are pimp. Not, not at all and stuff, but who knows, right? Now, <laughs> so anyway, that, that's a pretty fucking crazy story right there. Now, tell me, how did you get involved in hip-hop? You're from Alabama, right? Yeah, but I was born in Ohio originally. Oh, yeah? In the Midwest, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, so how did you get involved in like the hip-hop scene out there? Um, well... When I moved back up to Ohio back in 2003, I, I had recorded a demo tape uh, in Alabama where I had Jackson beats off the internet, and uh, I had a tape recorder and a CD player, and I would play the, the CD of the downloaded beats, and I would freestyle. I'd stick my head in between the tape recorder and the CD player and freestyle into the tape recorder while the beat was playing, so it was like extremely shitty quality, but... Sounds like Mixmaster Mike style back in the day. Yeah. Two cassette tapes and used to like match beats and mix beats and stuff by mixing the two cassette tapes together. Exactly. And, um, but probably a little lower quality than that. (laughs) Anyways, uh, I brought, I uh, was selling those tapes uh, in Alabama and then I moved up to Ohio and uh, got in touch with a childhood friend of mine and uh, he was making music. His, His name at the time was Suburban Corpse. And uh, I, my name at that time was was Crucifer, which was also my pro wrestling name at that time. And uh, is it still your uh, pro wrestler name? No, I changed my name to One Man Crew. Uh, I'm about to tell you the whole story about that. Okay, get into it. So, um, Suburban Corpse and Crucifer, me, uh, we were known as the Crypt Keepers, and we recorded one EP in 2004. And then uh, there's another guy that joined us. His name was the Great Zambini at the time, but he changed his name to Capital Z. And um, I was evolving as an artist so quickly that Suburban Corpse couldn't felt like he really couldn't keep up with the, my development, so he dropped out of the group. So me and uh, Capital Z, we changed the name of the group from the Crib Keepers to the Keepers of the Crib, aka the KOK. And uh, we were, we had recorded like three LPs and like a bunch of other scraps stuff and unreleased stuff together. And um, but Suburban Corpse, he he wanted to uh, start a label called Crypt Records with you know with these groups that we were doing. And he was kind of working behind the scenes to help us promote us. Anyways, I felt like um, I was doing more of of the work. I was. I was like doing more work than anybody at that time, so I just kind of viewed everybody else as kind of a burden on me, so I decided to go solo, so I changed my name to One Man Crew, just to like be able to say, uh, I can do it all by myself, I don't need anybody, I can produce my own tracks, I can sell, I can go out and hustle the CDs, I can rap, I can write the songs, I can sing the hooks, I can do anything. So you're not Steve Jobs, you're Bill Gates. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about that, but... But yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, yeah, man. So like, I uh, uh, in 2007, uh, 2006, 2007, I recorded my first uh, EP as One Man Crew. Uh, it was called I Got That Fire EP. It was produced by Mike P and Fritz the Cat. Uh, from uh, at the time they were uh, former Psychopathic Records producers, uh, Insane Clown Posse's label, and. Uh, I sold probably about 500 copies of that, and then uh, I recorded uh, a full-length album called Man on a Mission, uh, 
which I expanded upon later and added some bonus tracks and changed the name of it, of it to the I Will Never Quit LP, which is what I'm selling right now in Shibuya. So I got I got Isham, uh, the Unholy, on one song. He's a legendary artist. He's one of my favorite rappers of all time. And he was actually cited as one of Eminem's uh, influences. And he was on Insane Clown Posse's label, too. So I got him on a track. And um, I got a producer named Sam Peasy who works for Universal Music Group. And he, he produced about 70% of the album. So it sounds just like anything you'd buy in a store. It sounds, it's dope, man. And like my, I'm a really gifted lyricist. One, one of my main influences is Tupac. So I spit on the real tip mostly. But I also make like commercial sound and like mainstream sound of music too. That's awesome. So how did you wind up coming to Japan? Was it first off for pro wrestling or did you come here uh, for music or a little bit of both? I came here originally for pro wrestling. And I just kind of got lucky, and I always sold my CDs for survival when I was on the road for pro wrestling, because like I wasn't getting rich as an independent wrestler, so I had to supplement my income by selling my music, which was a great thing to fall back on. So I was doing basically the same thing here in Japan, but I got lucky, and I, I met somebody that works for Avex Group, so... I'm finally going to get my big break with a major label. It, se it seems like I am anyway. So, yeah, man, I, I was actually a pretty popular uh, pro wrestler in Japan for a couple years. I wrestled in the deathmatch tournaments. I used to watch Japanese wrestling when I was, like, a, uh, 15, 16, 17 years old. And I always knew I would come here and wrestle, so I studied Japanese when I was 17. Uh, they didn't offer Japanese class at my high school, so I had to uh, go to the University of Alabama and take a special class to learn Japanese. And uh, I actually, since then, I had a poster on my wall of a wrestler named The Great Sasuke. He was one of, like one of my favorite mass wrestlers from Japan. And uh, 12 years later, I ended up wrestling him in his hometown and beating him. So, so yeah, it was like a real, really a dream come true. I've, I've wrestled a lot of people that I used to look up to when I was younger even in the United States and Mexico. Wow, man, you keep on moving forward and back, but more forward than back and stuff. And you're a real positive person, man. That's so unusual. Cause I know a lot of people that have failed in Japan. Like, I've met a lot of people who've come here and just completely failed, fell flat on their face and shit, and they just turned into, like, the darkest motherfuckers and shit. But you seem, I mean, you're living, you're pretty much living on the streets right now. You're living at a, uh, a manga kisa, which is, like, basically a, a comic book cafe. You know, you can, like, stay there, use the internet, read comic books. They got showers and shit. I mean, it sucks, you know, because you're there. It's basically, like, basically you're, you're homeless in a way. Well, I don't look at it like I'm homeless. I look at it like I'm houseless. You know houseless. what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like... Uh, Every day you're hustling. Everywhere. It's like that Metallica song, Where I Lay My Head is Home. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, uh, I mean, I actually enjoy the nomadic lifestyle. I feel more free than if I would be anchored down to some position at some company where I have to keep going to the same house every day, keep banging the same old lady every day, keep going to the same shitty job every day. Oh, that's like most of us? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know... People have to do what they have to do to survive. You know what I mean? There's pros and cons to each situation. You have the security and the comfort of knowing, you know, in the in the repetitive cycle lifestyle of going to a regular job every day and, and living, you know, and being married and, and having your own home and, you know, kids and everything. Like, it's great. It's a great life. It's a wonderful life. It's a very secure way, and it's a very... Uh, 
normal mainstream way of life. But I was taught by a legendary wrestler named Diamond Dallas Page that if you want to succeed and make your dreams come true, if you really want to chase that dream, you have to take the, le- the path less traveled in order to separate yourself from the pack. In other words, you got to take a few hits, you got to eat a few shit sandwiches in order to get what you want out of life. True. I mean, there's different ways of getting what you want out of life. Uh, it just depends on what you want out of life, you know? I want to be an entertainer and make a living at it and hopefully get rich off of it. You know, some people, they just want to work at, 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 a, at their job and hopefully advance in the company and, and get rich off of it. I mean, it's just the same goal, the same result, just different ways of going about it. So I'm not hating on anybody's way of life. Just uh, I get a lot of shit from people from my way of life. You know, I'm not getting rich right now, but at least I'm enjoying life and I'm doing what makes me happy. And I feel that that's what's important. My grandfather always told me, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. True that, man. True that. <clears throat> so you're hustling your CDs right now. How many have you sold so far? So I've sold like over 10,000 units so far in my life. In your life? How many in Japan? About 500 copies over the past few months. 500 copies? Dude, that's pretty good, selling them on the streets and in the clubs and stuff. Have you, per- have you been able to perform at some of the clubs? Sometimes it's really hard to get into for, like, hip-hop and stuff. Like, especially clubs. Clubs here, they book events, like, months and months and months ahead of time and stuff. Unless you get an open mic, like at Gamuso, how I offered you <laughs> that spot. Oh, by the way, Gamuso is one of our sponsors. So is Mitsuya, located in Asagaya. So if you are in Tokyo or in Japan, get your ass down to Gamuso in Mitsuya. Both places are amazing. So, uh, yeah, I had actually performed one time at a, a, a club called Stanley Club. It's a wrestling club. And they had uh, booked me to be, like, the special host there and try to draw some wrestling fans in there to spend some money. So I had performed there. And that, that's about it, though, as far as performing in Japan. But I've wrestled, a, I've, I've wrestled probably, like, 80 matches here in Japan. I've been on TV several times in Japan. I've been in the cover on the cover of magazines and stuff out here. I actually have kind of a following in in Japan for pro wrestling, but I'm trying to I'm trying to convert that following into a hip hop following, which is kind of difficult. Is there a major difference between wrestling in the states and wrestling in Japan? Yeah, there's a big difference, man. Wrestling in the United States is like really hokey. I mean, you could tell it's fake, which you know I shouldn't use that word, but because it's not a fair term for pro wrestling. Like pro wrestling is is, is entertainment. It's uh, the outcome is predetermined. But we really do get hurt. I mean, it it, it is painful. And uh, in Japanese wrestling, it's really hardcore shit, man. Like you can get the shit beat out of you. I mean, we hit in safe places. We're not we're not going to knock each other's teeth out or anything like that. But but uh, in in the United States, they really take it easy on each other. And here in Japan, we really beat the shit out of each other. To be honest, that's kind of like the answer I really wanted to hear. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, okay. Now, in your in your opinion, do you think it's easy for, like, let's say, someone from, like, the States or Canada or England or Germany or France or a different country, Spain, Russia, do you think it's easy for them to come out here and make it in, like, uh, entertainment? Or do you think it's, like, really difficult? Because, I mean, I, I know and I've known people who have come here and have made it doing one thing or another, and I've, I've seen most people fail. Like, what is your opinion? My opinion is this. The only limitation you have is a limitation you place on yourself. So if you could believe that you can make shit happen, you can make shit happen no matter what. 
I believed in myself to come to Japan and make make a name for myself as a pro wrestler, and I did it. And now I believe in myself to be able to sign with the top entertainment company here in Japan and be able to make it. So as long as you focus all of your energy and your belief on yourself and, and, and the gifts given to you by God, then there's no failing. There's no such thing as failing. I mean, you, yeah, sure, you, you can fall a little bit, but you get back up, you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, learn from your mistakes and move on, but never lose sight of that goal because that goal what you have to look forward to in your life is what should fuel you in your life to keep you going by giving yourself something to look forward to that way you don't you never give up because there's always something new to look forward to awesome awesome and a lot of people say it's easier to make it in japan i think in my opinion i think it's easier if you're big somewhere else and then you come to japan you get bigger but coming to Japan just to make it doing something such as, for example, well, pro wrestling or, or music or, or art or acting or something, it's, it's pretty difficult to come here and then try to make it if you're not big somewhere else. But what is your opinion on that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? I mean... Actually, I, I kind of disagree because I, in the United States, I was treated as a joke in the independent wrestling scene. Uh, nobody would give me an opportunity. I mean, they would let me wrestle, but that you know, they wouldn't put me in a position where I could get myself over, which means get make myself popular, where I could actually shine and show like what I can really do. When I came to Japan, the reins were off. Like I had complete control over my character, like everything I did, and the only thing I didn't have control over was like the outcome of the matches. But it doesn't matter if I win or lose. I, my performance is so good that it got myself really over with the Japanese fans. So I feel that coming to another country, another culture, different circumstances, creatively, you can actually um, make the situation better because, you know, it's like living by a different set of rules. You know what I mean? So, like, for example, those promoters in the United States that never gave me a chance, now they're like, Man, I, I, they're kicking themselves in the ass now because they're like, man, we, we could have done something with him. We could have really used him. But now, you know, it's too late. They already burned that bridge with me. So wait, if you do make it here, when you do make it here, like as a hip-hop artist and then possibly back into wrestling and stuff, do you think you're done with the States? You're like, fuck the States. Or do you think like maybe you can go back to the States and then move your, your, your industry, not your industry, but move yourself from here and transplant it to the States or maybe go back and forth, maybe bridge the two, the two cultures or something? What, what do you think? Well, it's funny you mention that because one of the reasons that AVEX uh, is uh, wants to, the people at AVEX that I know want to sign me is because they're going to expand to the United States. Plus, they're you know selling uh, MP3s uh, worldwide on the internet. Yeah. So the plan is is I'm going to do some pretty high profile collaborations with a couple different American artists and then a, a few different Japanese artists so that I can cross promote you know, uh, American artists to Japan and Japan artists to America. So, uh, it's going to be good business all around. So I think it's going to be, uh, rather easy for me to sell music in Japan and the United States because I've already sold 10,000 copies. So I already have people are aware of me plus my pro wrestling fan base. So, um, I think that it's going to be quite easy to sell both in the United States and Japan. That's pretty awesome. In the future, do you think you want to incorporate wrestling into your hip-hop act, or do you think maybe hip-hop into your wrestling act? 
I had tried to do that before, uh, but it just doesn't work out. You know, like two different worlds, right? It's two completely different businesses, and uh, I, I've always kept kept them separate, except for the one few times early in my career where I tried to mix the two. It was it was a thing where the wrestling part was making it hard for people to take me serious as an artist and the and the hip the hip-hop rapper thing was like making it hard for people to take me serious as a pro wrestler so i had to separate the two so what is your opinion on japanese hip-hop do you think japanese hip-hop is uh, similar to the states or <clears throat> do you think japanese hip-hop is similar to like just basically all the other like hip-hops in asia for example chinese hip-hop korean hip-hop i'm not sure if north korea has hip-hop yet <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if North Korea had hip hop, I would be the biggest fan. I would love to. I would learn North Korean just to hear what they're rapping about, dude. I think that would be so sick. Like, like waiting in line every day just sucks. Something, something, gotta buy a sock. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, dude. That'd be freaking amazing. Actually, uh, North Korea, we're not saying anything bad because we do have listeners in North Korea. Probably, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. But what is your opinion on Japanese hip hop in general? I think it sounds really old school and. Uh... Some, Which is good though, right? Yeah, it's good. And it's, I love old school. It's up-tempo, but it's kind of behind in the times as far as like modern hip-hop sound, mm-hmm. modern rap. You know, like I like trap beats. Mm-hmm. That's like my new thing. Like my next album is going to be just like nothing but trap beats. But Okay, what are trap beats for all our listeners that do not listen to hip-hop? It's, um, it's a particular style of beat uh, where... Can you go... <laughs> I don't. You're a rapper. I don't know, man. Like, can you flow that? No, I don't know if I can do that, man. <laughs> Nobody's listening except for maybe maybe a hundred thousand people, maybe ten people. Well, trap beats is basically like really hardcore bass and um, really intricate drums, and it's like the modern style of rap. You know, you listen to artists like Future and and uh, Drake. That's those are trap beats that they're rapping on. So that's my thing now. Like, I think if Japanese hip hop artists rapped on trap beats, it would sound a lot doper. Because, you know, it's kind of. I'm not hating on Japanese artists. They're really good. They're really talented. It's just they're kind of behind in the times, you know. Like, are they behind in the times, like, from like 1990s, like, you know, Diggable Planets, Tribe Called Quest, that, like, Naughty by Nature? Is it like that, or is it more like 80s behind the. Or fucking do that. Am I showing my age yet? Because, <laughs> I mean, old school right now could probably be 2010, or 2010 for all I know, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, dude. I, I listen more to, like, punk rock, you know, and fucking, like, metal and shit than, like, hip hop. But I love old school hip hop, dude. Fucking. Dude, I still haven't seen Straight Out of Compton just because. Whoa. Oh, it was great. I know it's great. I know it's great. Everybody said it's, has, says it's great. But I used to listen to fucking NWA way back in the day actually my favorite was two live crew you know yeah. i loved two live crew <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man i had a t-shirt fucking i like i think i had it for like maybe one day before my mom fucking took it away <laughs> face down ass up that's the way we like to fuck oh god mm-hmm. classic shit oh me so horny oh me so <laughs> fucking, i knew that fucking reference before any of my friends knew it and shit because mm-hmm. my fucking my cousins love to watch fucking army movies Full right metal jacket. exactly so fucking like like when I heard that track, I was like, wait a second, that's 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 from the movie Full Metal Jacket. Oh, Mr. Honey, that automatically became one of my all-time favorite hip-hop tracks. 
I mean, I got like I got a lot of favorite hip hop tracks now. I mean, Black Moon and shit and Roz. But fucking like, uh, yeah, dude. Anyway, Two Life Crew is my shit. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> well, but what do you think? To answer your question, man. Yeah, I love old school hip hop, eighties, nineties. I love all hip hop. But like Japanese artists, they rap on beats that are like really dated. You know what I mean? Like sometimes they do remixes of old songs, which is cool. Like old hip hop songs, like Japanese hip hop songs, or old like like Western, like 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 for example, like uh, I don't know, like let's just say Led Zeppelin like tracks or tunes or beats or riffs or I don't know samples. No, they'll just straight rip a beat from a popular American hip hop song and like rap Japanese over it. Oh shit! Okay. And um, and then like their producers are they. Their style is like 90s and, and early noughties. Uh, Wait, naughty, like naughty by nature? No, noughties is like the 2000s. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's what that means. And um, But there are a lot of gifted Japanese trap beat makers too now that are, that are surfacing now. So uh, I think of these Japanese artists, they would rap like on some dope trap beats. Like they would, it would be easier for them to get popular and and become famous because trap beats are very powerful it's it's like one of the most pleasing to the ear styles of of beat making that there ever was um especially if you have like a classically trained musician that who who can who can like play piano and, and make like the layer the instruments to where it's it's like undeniably badass like composition over top of that drum and bass like my my producer Sam Peasy, he he's uh, signed with Universal. He's a classically trained musician, and he makes some of the dopest beats I ever heard in my life. I I happen to be really lucky to have him as a producer. So, if these Japanese artists could get somebody like him to make make beats for them, they would really. I think they would really. The hip hop uh, scene in Japan would really have like a uh, a lot of popularity at the moment but right now it's not too popular I think one of the top selling artists in Japan has only sold like 40,000 copies or something like that holy shit only 45 45,000 yeah something like that 40,000 or something like that that, and that's hip hop oh shit like one of the top I don't know what the most a hip hop artist has sold here but I I know like on Avex Group their top hip hop artists only sold like 40,000 units and hip-hop is like a music of which they want to kind of expand in. Because I mean, Avix basically focuses on J-pop, I think. J-pop, I think they do mm-hmm. a little K-pop, which is Korean pop. Mm-hmm. J-pop obviously means Japanese pop. So they're going to expand more into like hip-hop. And then they're going to bridge onto the United States or even Europe and stuff by like uh, having like um, uh, people that are native. For example, you who are who's living here in Japan actually kind of bridge the two cultures, two countries and stuff and kind of open them up overseas. Dude, this could be a great opportunity for you to like either perform and like like work with like amazing hip hop artists overseas, you know, because I mean, not only in the United States, but I mean, England's got a lot of a huge hip hop scene. France has got a huge hip hop scene. Of course, Germany's got a huge hip hop scene in Berlin. Um, so you could like be like the bridge that connects Asia to the rest of the world. You could be like the Dutch, like in the 1800s. <laughs> you know how the Dutch used to come to Japan and shit and bring like tobacco and yeah. guns and shit and religion. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, that's why uh, my friend Kento, who works for Avex, he was like, "This is your chance. You can really uh, nobody's ever, no American artist ever came to Japan and like signed with a major, uh, 
American hip hop artist and signed with like a major Japan company, Japanese company. So he's like, this is your chance because like Avex wants to expand to the United States. So this is like your chance to do that. And so I'm going to, if I get the opportunity, I'm going to seize it by the throat and choke the life out of it. Nice, dude. That's pretty awesome. Well, you definitely have like a demo right here. So, all right. All right, I'm going to play like a, a couple of tracks maybe during this. Well, I don't know because we got all this fucking ambient noise. We're actually at a, a diner right now. It's the only quiet place in Tokyo mm-hmm. <laughs> this early in the morning. Um, but we do have a demo. I'm going to play a couple of tracks after the podcast. So fucking faders. So fucking faders. So listen to the podcast all the way to the very end and uh, check these out and stuff. And how can people get in contact with you? How can they check out your shit? How can they buy your shit? Well... Right now, I don't have it, anything monetized anymore because I was getting, I actually signed an independent deal uh, with a label out of California, and they were really screwed me over. So I, I demonetize, if that's even a word, all my downloads. So you can download all my shit for free, either on Reverb. You probably shouldn't give that information away. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not greedy about it. You know what I mean? Like. I'm really more concerned about building a fan base so that when I have new products come out, people will buy it. So, oh, okay, that's cool. So, I mean, you can you can download my shit for free off ReverbNation.com. Just type One Man Crew, O-N-E-M-A-N-K-R-U in a search box. Or you can find it on YouTube, and if you know how to extract the audio off YouTube, you can get it that way. But if you really want to support me, um, I'm on Facebook, and uh, just type One Man Crew, O-N-E-M-A-N-K-R-U. If you want to, like, order a CD from me, I'll send you one. Or you can, if you want to make a donation or something to help me out, I'll, I'll hook you up in the future and send you whatever I can. Like, I got all kind of memorabilia from my wrestling career. So, yeah, man. Uh, pretty much that's all I can say is, like, I have all my stuff, like, available online. So the only way I really make money is by selling my CDs on the streets unless somebody, like, sends me money to help me out or something. So. How can somebody send you money? I mean, right now, you're not living on the streets, but you're, like, you're, you're really close. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how can people support you? Like, let's say, let's say somebody is like, dude, they listen to your tracks. Like, God damn it, I got to hook this guy up. You know, maybe he's going to become big in the future and stuff, and then he'll be able to take care of himself. But right now and shit, you know, like, you know, like how can they give you money for food or, I don't know, booze or something? Or, you know, because we get faded, you know. So how can, how can people help you out in that way? Um, I have a PayPal account. As my PayPal email is one man crew o n e m a n k r u at live dot com. And I've had a people, a few people, send me money there before. So there's that way, and then there's uh, my Facebook. I think you can send money through there now. Really? No shit. Yeah. I should work on that. <laughs> or you know, there's always the old school Western Union. <laughs> Just kidding, but not really. <laughs> they take a cut. <laughs> yeah, they do. Awesome. All right. Now, I kind of want to get, like, before we finish this up and stuff, I want to ask you a little bit about living not on the streets, but by living, like, in, like, a... A nomadic state. Yeah, because, I mean, how, like, what do you do to eat? What do you do to sleep? Is it easy and stuff? Because we get people, dude, I get emails from people all the time asking me, like, I'm coming to Japan. How do I get a job? I come to Japan. How do I do this? I come to Japan. Where should I stay? I, 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 I'm in Japan right now. I'm having some problems. And I, and I got to feel that. Well, I don't got to, but I fill out these emails and stuff like that because I love you, faders. Faders, you fade, I fade. We fade together. You should be fading now, although it's too early in the morning for us to fade. And we both got to go to Well, I got to go to work. Your work is hustling on the street. I should get you fade. <laughs> do you want to order a beer? Do you uh, drink? 
No, actually, yeah, I drink cough syrup, brawn. <laughs> cough syrup. Uh, we'll talk about cough syrup later. But okay, so what are you? What are some of your recommendations for like you know making it here on the streets? And I, I guess I can say on the streets because I mean the nomadic lifestyle is kind of like the guy from Kung Fu, right? Yeah, it's like Kane from Kung Fu. You know, exactly. You just kind of shed all your your personal like material possessions and like have faith in a higher power that you're going to survive in some way. So my motto is I just tell people the truth. I tell them my situation. I don't I don't ask for a handout. I try to sell them a, legit, a legitimate product, which is my, my album, which is basically a glorified demo. It's 21 songs, and it's got some, some, uh, some real legitimate artists and producers that worked on it. But anyways, um, out here, man, I live in an Internet cafe, which is kind of expensive, like, how much is it? It's like 2,000 yen for every eight hours. So I, have to sp- I spend over 6,000 yen a day just staying in an internet cafe. I mean, I know I could do, do shared houses. There's cheaper alternatives, but I like my privacy. I get my own little cubic, cuticle, cubicle or whatever, in, uh, and uh, it's walled off. I get a computer where I can, like, burn CDs and watch porno. I mean, uh, watch movies <laughs> if I want to. And uh, I... Uh, I I really enjoy it, man, because like it's it's the only thing I don't like about it is it's like really difficult to sleep in there. But I, um, yeah, it's I, I've adapted and it, it's not that bad. It's kind of like sleeping in business class because you do get a reclining seat, you got a nice computer and shit. So it's basically like living in business class, which doesn't sound that bad. Well, actually, I, I get a flat, which is uh, it's. There's no chair. It's just like a little flat, like a pad about an inch thick that you can sleep on. And it's it's really uncomfortable for me because I'm kind of a big dude, you know. I weigh 100 and, 124 kilograms, which is about 280 pounds. Well, you're going to lose that if you're living in a fucking cubicle, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you're living the nomad life, dude, that's going to go away, man. You might have to, like, totally forget about your, your wrestling career. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, the, the wrestling career is definitely on the back burner right now because... Uh, I got a herniated disc in my neck right now. Oh, shit. I had one in my back once before. I got a good doctor. I can hook you up. Oh, really? Yeah. It's expensive, though. Oh, that's cool, bro. Um, Yeah. Uh, I actually have three herniated discs. Two in my back and one in my neck. But the one in my neck is the worst one. Because it's, it's hard to get comfortable when I sleep. Because, you know, no matter what direction I turn my head when I'm laying down, it's always really, really uncomfortable. So... The worst thing about sleeping in an internet cafe is it's a pain in the ass to sleep. That's why I chug a, a half a bottle of brawn cough syrup every night before I go to sleep so I can pass out. You know what? I think beer, whiskey, shochu, tequila, gin, anything with alcohol might be a little bit more healthy. Yeah, I know, but I don't like alcohol because it, it gives me, like, I get hung over so easily. Like, every day. I can't stand that feeling of waking up. I feel sick. I feel like puking. I have a headache from hell. I can't function on alcohol. I I just cannot function on that shit, bro. So I don't drink, really, for real like that. Okay, well, that's pretty interesting for this show. (laughs) Because we're all about just, like, reading the news and getting faded and stuff. But that's okay. That's okay. Not today. Not today. Not today. It's actually too early. Because I met you, like, what? 9 30 10 o'clock in the morning yeah. by accident like by, not accident by fate yeah. so yeah well anyway man all right so okay living living in manga kisses is a little expensive but you do get your privacy mm-hmm. uh, okay what about what are you doing for food other than me buying you breakfast <laughs> um i buy like 
There's this little pizza place called Napoli's that's mm. right next to Gaspanic and in Shibuya. I buy pizza there every day. It only costs like 600 or 700 yen. And uh, I usually eat once or twice a day. I'll eat like one of those pizzas and then like sometimes I'll get like a salad or something from a convenience store. Or I'll buy like a couple uh, McDonald's Hyakuyen chicken sandwiches or something. Or if, if I really did good for that day, if I've sold a lot of CDs, I'll just go all out and order whatever the hell I want from wherever I want, you know, but it just depends on, like, how good I do that day, you know? Mm. Here lately, I've been having to be a little less picky because I've had to buy two fucking passports in a span of, like, seven days, which has cost me, like, 30,000 yen, which is about 270 bucks. Jesus Christ. Yeah, bro, so that's, like, I want to say, like, five days of the internet cafe I could have stayed in, like, five 24-hour periods I could have paid for with that money. Seafaders, ex-wives, they're no good. They're no good. They're like the flu. Once you get rid of them, stay away. Wear a mask. Take care of your health. Ex-wives, not good. She's your ex-wife still now, right? Or you don't know? Yeah, she's my ex-wife now, bro, and I'm never going back to that shit again. You couldn't... I wouldn't fuck that bitch with a stolen dick. Oh, shit. That's fucked up. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, all right, so food, shelter, and then hustling. All right, now when you hustle the CDs, let's talk a little bit about that. Like when you hustle CDs on the streets, I don't want to give, I don't want you to give away all your secrets, but who generally buys them more? Is it like international people, like tourists, or is it more like, like Japanese people and stuff? Like uh, who are your, your main um, supporters? Uh, it's about half and half. I sell half to Japanese and half to uh, foreigners that come here. Well, here lately I've been selling more to foreigners because it's just easier because most of them speak English. But um, as far as like of the 500 or so units I've sold, I would say at least 40% of them have been Japanese. And then if you, you can think of almost every country on every continent except Antarctica, excuse me, Antarctica, of course. And uh, almost everybody from every country has bought a CD from me. Like almost, uh, almost every... Uh, countries, people have bought CDs from me, like in Europe, Africa, South America, North America, Australia, all, all over the world. People bought CDs from me out here, which is the beautiful thing about being here in Shibuya. Is like I'm actually reaching, on a small level, a global, a global audience to my music. You know, so I have people from all over the world that's bought CDs from me and listen to my music, which is a good, really good feeling. To, to come from a little redneck hillbilly town called Tuscaloosa, Alabama and be in Japan selling music worldwide, literally, is like, it's really a step up. Uh, yeah, that's more than a step up in my book. But uh, yeah, dude, that's pretty impressive. And last question, last question. Do you see any other people on the street selling stuff? Like, is there anybody selling like art or paintings or pictures or music? I mean, of course, there's street performers, people playing like like uh, rock and roll bands and playing classical piano and shit like that in the streets. Of course, with a keyboard. <laughs> but do you, do you see other people selling T-shirts and stuff at all? There, there used to be a lot of people back in the day, like, like 15 years ago in uh, Shibuya. And in Shimokitazawa and Koenji, people used to just like come here and just set up shop and stuff. Not only like Westerners, but mostly Japanese people. But do you still see that? I, I don't see it that much and stuff, but it, it, you're on the streets more than me, to be honest. Well, I see a lot of people selling pussy on the streets, but uh, that's about it, man. Like, So you've got almost zero competition. I have no competition whatsoever. I mean, 
Because the only people out hustling, they're trying to ask for handouts. You know what I mean? I, I see, like, little Filipino girls running around asking for donations to save the children and shit. And I know damn well that money doesn't go to save any kids. Well, it saves their kids. Yeah, maybe save their kids or maybe save their own ass. But, you know, I there's nobody really out there, like, trying to push a product for real, man. So there's actually absolutely no competition on the streets right now currently for me. That was probably not a good question to ask because probably next week there's going to be a lot of competition. <laughs> Buy my banjo music. <laughs> Who knows, man? Dude, One Man Crew, thank you very much for being on the show. Hey, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. And uh, in response to what you just said about you know people coming out and hustling, truth be told, it takes a lot of balls to go out and hustle, especially yeah, especially in the in this country. You know, you know, if you don't speak the language, which I do. Luckily and thankfully, uh, it just takes a lot of balls and a lot of confidence to be able to walk up to people and try to sell. I mean, if you don't believe in your product, you're not going to sell shit. But if you believe in yourself and you believe what you're doing, you believe in your message, you believe in the, the legitimacy of your product, then you can sell very quite, quite, quite easily. But most people, you know, they, they think they're artists or they want to be an artist or whatever. They just don't have the balls to go out and try to sell the shit, man. And that's that's what you need if you want to be successful you have to seize the opportunity you have to seize the day you have to grow a set of balls and just go out there and get your blessing because god has it out there for everybody he has your blessing waiting for you you know you got to go out and get it it's not going to come to you you got to go and get it all right well i think that's a good point to leave <laughs> How can we top that? Well, there's only one way to top that, Faders. You know what to do. Definitely go to iTunes. When you go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. It helps us. It spreads the word. It gets people like One Man Crew out there. It gives him exposure. It gives us exposure. And if you are in Japan, you're coming to Japan, get your ass on down to Gamuso. Gamuso and Mitsuya. Mitsuya Liquors. Both are located comfortably in Asagaya, Tokyo. 15 minutes from Shibuya, maybe 10 minutes away from Shinjuku, you could be there and two shakes of lamb's ass. And if I'm working at other of those places, motherfucking tip me. Faders, thank you very much for tuning in. Spread the word once again, and we'll catch you next week. Oh, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. One thing. Next week, I will be in Berlin. If you are in Europe, contact me and fucking come on to the Beat Freak event. Um... If I get too faded, I'm not. But if I'm not faded, I am definitely going to do a live Got Faded Japan podcast out in Berlin at the club. I don't know. It depends at the club. I don't know. I'm definitely going to do it there. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, contact me. We'll set something up. And fucking no matter what, we are definitely are going to get faded on some sweet, sweet Berlin brews. Fade on, faders, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Y'all know. It ain't nobody business What's in my cup What get me fucked up Cause I just don't give a fuck I said it ain't nobody business What's in my cup What get me fucked up Cause I just don't give a fuck Cold blood like a lid
scissor. Sit right mix with that scissor. Just snipped on myself just now, but it's all to the gizzard. I got it all in my club. This trick asking me what's up. Not a goddamn thing, bitch. Get up off my nuts, cause I'm fucked up. Try to make it buzz, but I can't. Dick on sport like I smoke that cane. But I don't fuck with that powder. I'm just on that lean, man. Bust allowed to burn up. Purple drink, I turn up. Going ham on these hoes so hard that it's drinking they burn up. Got my number locked and they iPhone. Call me when their husbands ain't home. They know I keep that lean, so they hit me up when they want a bone. Everywhere I go, haters ask me what's in my cup. None of your goddamn business, so shit the fuck up. It ain't nobody business what's in my cup. Boy, they get me fucked up. Cause I just don't give a fuck. What's up, Faders? Got Faded Japan has got a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Gamuso Bar, located in Asagaya, Tokyo. If you're kicking it in Tokyo and you want to get your groove on, get your fade on, you better get your ass down to Gamuso. Gamuso is located in Asagaya. It's about 11 minutes from Shinjuku Station on the Chuo Line. Gamuso has weekly bands, weekly performances. And hell, if you got your own event and you want to hold it at Gamuso, we'd love to host you. So contact Gamuso at www.gamuso.com. That's www.gamuso.com. That's right. Gamuso has not only beers in the bottle, but beers on tap. We've got every drink you want, so come on down to Gamuso. Gamuso, and if I'm working, tip me.
Hey yo, what's up, Baders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I can probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Proper. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Oh, man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold. Just holla at me, girl, if you're down with a little song. 
smooth when you see me pulling through all the beautiful women. Y'all know what to do. Just holla at me, 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 girl. We can get down on a little something, something when it comes to the future. I ain't promising nothing. Just holla at me, 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 girl. Look into my eyes and love you may fall in. Holla at me, girl. If you down with the what you may call it, kick it at the after party. That's where it's poppin'. Stopping the rotten go digging skids ain't their only concern is the digits and my fizz ain't the count. Women sit down, you ain't getting paid for laughing at my jokes and agreeing with everything I say. So slow your roll, cause I ain't promising nothing. Just holler at me, girl, look me down with a little something. I'm so smooth when you see me rolling through all the beautiful women. Y'all know what to do. Just holler at me, 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 girl. We can get down on a little something, something when it comes to the future. So smooth when you see me running through all the beautiful women. Y'all know what to do. Just holla at me, 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 girl. We can get down on a little something, something when it comes to the future. I ain't promising nothing. Just holla at me, 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 girl. Look into my eyes and love, you may fall in. Holla at me, girl. Let me down with the.